can't believe I'm finally restarting and recording another episode of this podcast. I didn't think I would be able to do it anytime soon. Um, And uh, for the past two weeks, I've been trying to figure out when I'm going to record it, like what time of the day is the best. Do I hope and pray that they both sleep at the same time and just risk it? But anyway, I've been wanting to do it at night time, but I'm always just way too tired to do anything past 8 p.m. So <laughs> I've decided today is the day. So Matilda's sleeping downstairs and Matthias, my son, is there as well with my husband. And I'm just taking advantage of this little quiet time we have in the morning. And I'm just going to record the third episode. And um, to be honest, I'm going to try and do this in one go. Um, we'll see how it goes. Um, I might have to pause it if she wakes up. Um, but I did ask on Instagram, what did you want to hear about on this third episode? Because, you know, baby brain is still going strong and I have no idea what to talk about. I did want to share my birth story, but I didn't want to know if it was of everyone's interest. But funny enough, when I asked what people wanted to hear on this episode, a lot of the suggestions were about... Uh, my our birth or my Matilda's birth and uh, how we're coping with two uh, children and um, how we've adapted and um, postpartum and all sorts of things. So today's episode is basically going to be a lot of baby talk, a lot of um, you know labor talk, um, routine with baby if we have, if we don't how Matthias adapted or is adapting to the change and all that. So that's going to be today's chat and I do hope you enjoy it. I do love talking about this, but I'm going to try not to extend myself too much and keep it short because again, I also don't know how much time I have because she can wake up anytime. So we better get cracking, get going and let's start with this third episode of Who the Hell Cares? Yay, I'm excited. Um, So birth story we'll start with that uh, if you for if you know from my instagram matilda, matilda was always quite small she was always a tiny baby so they kept a close eye on her um, and eventually we had a growth scan on the 29th of july and she was due uh, due date was on the 31st um, so we had a growth scan on the 29th of july and on that that was a friday and on that day we found out that matilda um, kind of stopped growing she had static growth for the past two weeks because we had a scan two weeks before and she was exactly the same measurements um, and obviously when that happens they worry about the baby and if the baby isn't growing inside your tummy then the best thing to do is just to induce I guess so after getting baby monitored she was all right heartbeat was okay and all sorts Um, the midwife spoke to a consultant and they both came to me and discussed the option of an induction. Um, and that would be on Saturday, the next day. So I obviously said yes, because I was worried about Matilda. Um, and I just wanted her to be out and safe. And, you know, just she could grow the rest outside, I thought to myself. And it was close to a due date, so I wasn't too upset about it. But I, induction wasn't in my plans. I wanted a, a birth um, that was... Um, kind of unmedicated as much as possible Uh, but you know bird plants are just bird plants and things change so the focus here and the main goal was uh, our safety so I said yes in the induction and on Saturday I had to wait basically all day um, for them to free up a bed and I went to the maternity unit 
um, around 7.30 p.m. Um, my husband went with me. We stayed there for a while. It took ages for the nurse to come around. They're short-staffed. It's always the same story. I, I work in the NHS, so I know what it's like. So it took them ages to come around. But anyway, they came around. And uh, with induction, if you don't know, what happens is that they put a pessary in your vagina. You know, this is going to be very... Um, real uh, talk so if you, if it's not your thing maybe you should stop and not listen to it uh, so they put a pessary and um, if you're from Portugal and you're listening you might not know where the pessary is and it's like a tampon type of thing I mean it's not the same shape or anything but it kind of works the same way so they they shove it up there <laughs> literally and it stays really close to your cervix and it releases hormones to help your cervix dilate and thin out to you know get labor going <clears throat> pardon so they did that, and basically with the pessary, it has to stay for 24 hours uh, to, for, for them to see if it works. So during those 24 hours, if you don't progress, they literally don't do anything with you. They don't check. They don't, don't check if you're dilated. They don't do anything. So, yeah. So what happened to me was that even though I was contracting, I was having contractions even before they put the pessary in, but they were irregular and they weren't going up in intensity. So obviously it wasn't labor. It was just my body getting ready for it. And with the pessary, they kind of continued. They were slowly getting a bit worse, but I was coping really well with them. I had the Freya app from the postpart, the, the positive birth company. It's like a really good app where you can track your contractions and the, the woman talks to you and tells you positive affirmations. So that really worked for me and she counts your breathing. So I was going through the contractions with that. Um, and, um, yeah, but nothing was happening. Like the contractions weren't getting stronger. They weren't uh, getting closer together. So the midwife just said, we have to wait until 1am to see how you go. So anyway, obviously my husband was in and out of the hospital. Uh, most of the times he was there with me because uh, visiting times are open all day long. Um, and at 1am, so they've put the pessary in at 1am Saturday night. And so the, I had the whole Sunday of this, of, of nothing progressing. And then Sunday night, 1 a.m., they removed the pessary and the midwife checked my cervix. And she said, you know, you're still not dilated any further. I was just one centimeter and my cervix was still very further back. So, again, if you don't know, your cervix obviously needs to go, needs to drop and needs to get lower for the baby to be born and it needs to dilate and thin out so my my cervix was really high up it was at the back and it was closed it was just one centimeter so i was very discouraged um because I, I was in pain for two days now saturday and sunday and um obviously i couldn't have a lot of painkillers i was just having paracetamol uh, which helped a little but not much i had the 10 machine the tens machine which is a machine that you put some electrodes on your back and it gives you kind of electric shocks and it distracts you from the contraction pain so that helped me go through with the pain for those two days but yeah with the pessary not working they literally just said you know the next stage now is the gel so it's just a gel like it's a syringe and again they put it up your vagina and they pop the gel and that again goes really close to your cervix and it's supposed to also um, thin out your cervix and dilate your cervix but let me tell you that gel is like a magic potion but not in the good way possible I mean I, I will say that like uh, overall my birth experience was a positive one I see it as a positive one 
but it was way, way more difficult than with Matthias. And I risk to say that when uh, you are induced, the pain is much worse than when you go into labor naturally. Um, I, and I, I fully believe this, uh, and it makes total sense, because when you are induced, you're obviously getting the medication to put, get you into labor. Uh, but when you go into labor naturally, your body is producing the hormones as it needs. So with this, like they just pop the, pop the gel and it's literally a bunch of chemicals in there making my cervix dilate. And for your cervix to dilate and, and drop, you need to contract. So they popped the, the gel in, I think it was around two o'clock in the morning. And two minutes after I was having contraction after contraction after contraction, I was having three contractions every 10 minutes, which technically is considered established labor. But... I wasn't dilated enough to go to the delivery suite. So I basically stayed all night uh, in a room with three other women and the pain was so bad that I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I was just moaning and, and actually sometimes screaming in pain and I'm not one to scream unless I'm actually pushing the baby out. <laughs> but this time I just couldn't cope and I honestly rang my husband in a panic mode because... You know, I knew I hadn't dilated further enough. I knew I couldn't have any more painkillers. Um, and so it, it, my mind was just going over and over, uh, thinking, how am I going to cope with this all night long? So I was on the phone with him crying, bless him. And he couldn't do anything because he couldn't even come to visit. All I wanted was someone to hold my hand to get me through the contractions. But it was nighttime, so we weren't allowed any visitors, uh, even though I was in labor, early stages of labor. But yeah couldn't have him there so I rang him and then eventually I think the midwife got so fed up of me making noises that she came to me and I said I need painkillers can I have gas and air she said no because it was too early um and uh, if I was to have gas and air I would be you know having gas and air for way too long and it could be harmful for the baby I'm not sure obviously if it's true or not but I trust the midwife so obviously I couldn't have it but then I just asked for petidine, which is an injection that you get on your thigh. Um, and that is just, again, magic. Uh, within a few minutes, I was really high. That's how I can describe it. And I could barely hold my phone. So I said to my husband, I'm going to hang up now. The pain is getting a bit better. So I'm going to go to sleep. So, yeah, I managed to have a sleep for three hours. I woke up again at six o'clock in the morning. Um, with the pain coming back and, and getting intense as obviously the medication was wearing off. And so this was 6 a.m. on Monday morning already. Um, and um, yeah, so I was again obviously in pain. I was trying to get through the pain. I had the bird ball, I had the TENS machine. I was breathing through them, but then the pain would get very, very, very intense. And I wouldn't, I couldn't just keep quiet. I was just like making loads of noises. It was. I felt sorry for the ladies. I did say in the middle of the night, "I'm really sorry, but I can't. I can't control this. It's out of my control. It's like something so natural to your body to want to make noises." I think other women maybe not, but for me it is. It's very natural to me to kind of let it all out with with screaming, literally. Um, but um, yeah, I was I was just waiting for eight a.m. for my husband to come around. But the funny thing is that Monday was the day that my parents were going to go back to Portugal and they had to go obviously to the airport but we made the decision for them to go um, by train so that Miguel was here just in case and thank god we did that because basically 
um, my husband went to drop them off at the train station at 9am and I was ringing them at 9am saying you need to tell Miguel to come over because I'm about to have this baby. <laughs> so it, it all turned out uh, really well because like when this changed shift at the ward I was on, um, the other nurse came around around 8.30 and she said I'm going to check how you are now, like dilated, because your contractions are really close together, blah, blah, blah. So when she checked, I was four centimeters. My cervix has gone, had gone down and it was open and it was all looking good to have the baby. So I started crying, like desperately crying and just saying thank you, thank you, because I was expecting for me not to be dilated because I had that experience with my son of not dilating for days. So that was what I was expecting. But the good news was that I did dilate and I was ready to have this baby. So at 9-ish, 9.15, I think, I went down to delivery suite. My husband showed up at 9.30. And then I had to stay at the delivery suite. I couldn't go to the birth center, which was what I wanted. Uh, but I couldn't because they needed to monitor Matilda. Um, because during the contractions, her heart rate was dropping. So they were concerned about her. And obviously, I, I needed to have doctors and everything if something was to happen and if it was to have some sort of emergency delivery. Um, so they kept monitoring her. So I had to have um, the blood pressure cuff on my arm. I had a cannula in my arm. I had all those um, bands on my belly. So it's very. it was a very different experience than what I had with my son, where I didn't have anything. It was just me and, and no wires or anything. Um, so I did struggle with having all these things connected to my body because I like to move around when I'm in pain. I don't like to be sat up. I like to. I, I delivered my son in all fours and it was the plan for this one. And we did try, but they couldn't monitor the heart rate because the, the sensor was kept coming off. So, um, yeah, I couldn't do all fours. So I had, literally had to have a almost sat up in bed. Um, and uh, yeah, the pain wasn't the best. I did manage to do it just with Gazanair, which was one of my goals. So one of the things on the birth, on, on my birth plan was just to have it with Gazanair because I know the complications that can come with the, the epidural. Uh, you're more likely to tear, you're more likely to this, to that. And I just wanted also a quicker recovery. So I know that avoiding an epidural, it's better for your recovery. So yeah, I managed through the through the, the birth with just Gazanair, even though I asked multiple times for the epidural. But the one thing I always do, and it's something I advise you to do, obviously, if it's in your plans, when the midwife asks me, and you're in a very good state of mind still, when they ask you what is your plans for, for uh, pain control during labor, I said, you know, I just want Gazanair. And I might ask for an epidural when I'm tired when, and when the pain gets too bad. But I just need a lot of positive uh, affirmations and a lot of encouragement. So if I ask for an epidural, please just give me a lot of verbal positive encouragement. And they said, OK. So when I was asking for an epidural, they kept saying, Lisa, no, you're almost done. You're almost there. You know, you can do this. You know, you, you don't want the epidural, blah, blah, blah. So that also kind of helped me because I spoke to them about it before. Um, I think if you don't talk to them about it before, you probably just, if, if you're early enough asking for it, they'll just give it to you. So that, I mean, obviously at the time, I'm like frustrated and I just want to get rid of the pain and I want the baby out. But then after you have the baby, I'm like, thank God I didn't get the epidural. Anyway, I'm, I'm skipping. But yeah, so I was there. And I'm, I think from the moment I got to the delivery suite, which is considered uh, established labor or active labor, 
to the moment I had Matilda, it was two hours and a half, which is pretty quick. So I pushed her within 10 minutes. I don't know how many pushes it was. It was a lot of pushes, <laughs> but she was born. And uh, I, I don't cry. Like a lot of women cry when they have a baby. I didn't cry. I didn't cry with Matthias and I didn't cry with her. I was just relieved that she was out and I could stop pushing and I could stop feeling pain. Because obviously, you know, labor is a natural thing and you feel pain, you feel discomfort, you feel pressure. So when you've been in labor for like three days or contracting for three days, you want the baby out and you want to be pain-free. So I was just so relieved. The first thing I said to her, I think it was, hi, Matilda. And uh, yeah, I remember looking at her and just saying, she's so gray. <laughs> like Matthias, when he was born, he was nice and pink and flushed. And she was just so gray <laughs> and all wrinkly, but she was the cutest baby ever. And this was at 11.39 a.m. she was born. Um, and yeah, like it was it was such a great experience, like the labor period, even though I was screaming and I was in pain, I kept saying I couldn't do it. It was still a very good experience. And I had the best midwives with me. I had a student midwife as well that was amazing with me and was just there whilst my husband um, didn't arrive. And, and having that support and someone just holding your hand is great. So I'm forever thankful. Uh, but it all went kind of well, considering um, obviously it didn't go as I expected, but it, this is what happens with pregnancy. You can't really control it. And the, the, the most important thing is just for the baby to be safe and healthy. So that was that is like a very short story of my birth story. Um, we then went home at 7.30 p.m. because I just wanted to come home with my son. He was home with my mother-in-law um, for the Monday, all, all Monday. Um, so he was very happy and shocked to see us. A lot of people ask, what was his reaction when he saw Matilda? He was obviously, we kept telling him he was going to have a baby sister. And because I went to hospital on Saturday, we did tell him, mommy's going to hospital and mommy's going to go and pick up your sister Matilda. So he knew that we were going to get his sister. Um, and my husband obviously kept coming back and forth every day. And he kept saying, mommy's at the hospital and we're going to go and get Matilda. So when we came home on Monday evening, he knew his sister was coming. And when he saw her, he was just over the moon and he, he said he wanted to hold her. Uh, but obviously, he's not the most gentle uh, kid because he's a two-year-old. So we were always very cautious. And he, for most of the time, or the past two weeks, he's not had much interest um, in doing or, or like being there next to her. He's actually said a few times that he's scared. He doesn't want to take pictures with her. And sometimes he didn't want to kiss her. But now he's getting a bit more involved. He's there when I change her nappy. Um, he gives her dummy if she's crying. He likes to give kisses on her head. And in the morning he says, hello, princess. And so it's just the cutest thing ever. You know, it's just the best thing. Um, so he's adapted quite well. Uh, and I have to say that transitioning from one baby to two, or like from zero to one, is a lot harder than from one to two. Because... Like with your first baby, you just have so many worries, so many um, uncertainties, so many questions. It's everything so new to you and you have to learn day by day. It's like trial and error. You and the baby, it's a lot of trial and error. Um, when you transition from one to two, you kind of already know some bits. Obviously, you have to figure out other things because every baby is different. But you already know some bits and that made it a lot easier. So I, I am a lot more chilled about it. And I do things in 
I, I don't do things in a rush. Whereas with Matthias, I was always in a rush so I could have time for myself. I, I don't know why I had this thing in my mind where I wanted him to sleep so I can have a bit of time for myself. And I think it didn't help that it was during lockdown and COVID. But with Matilda, I'm more chilled. I'm more like, yeah, I'm, cu- I'm going to cuddle her if she needs cuddles. Everything else can wait. I'm just going to sit here with both my kids and everything else can wait. And that has just made postpartum a lot easier for me and mentally and as well as physically. And um, one of the other questions people asked me was how, how postpartum has been, how I've been coping, how I've been recovering. And to be fair, um, like because of the labor I had and because I think because of not having an epidural, I didn't tear. Um, and I think I kind of know how to push. Uh, so if I if you push the right way, I guess you don't tear. That's what the midwife said to me. Um, and I didn't tear much. I had a couple of graces. I think that's what they're called. Um, but nothing major. So for me, down below, everything was all right. You know, uh, a lot of women are scared to go for a wee or go for a poo. Um, because normally it hurts. I didn't have any problems. Um, so that bit was sorted. Obviously, there's some discomfort because a baby just came out of your vagina, right? But it wasn't anything major. Um, so I recovered really well from that end. Um, but I was obviously exhausted. You're trying to catch up, catch up on sleep that you will never catch up on for the next, I don't know, many years. Um, but, you know, things... It's kind of a bit intense. The first week is a bit intense, I'd say. Um, but during that first week, we had my mother-in-law, so it kind of helped as well. And to be fair, me and my husband and make a really, really good team. Uh, we just, we are a good team. Um, we just do things. We split things. He sorted out Matthias. I would sort out the Matilda. Uh, he knew what when I needed help. You know, we we were we are just a great team, and that made these past two weeks a lot easy on me. Um, and I'm so happy that he's been able to stay home with me and help me with the kids and help me with the housework. He's just been so, so great. And the postpartum for me has been like pure bliss uh, because of that. You know, I had a few moments where I cried um, from, I don't know, it's a lot of hormones and emotions. Um, but it was just one, one day and that was it. And physically, um, I've been recovering really well and it's like just my sciatica that it's still going strong and that I complain a lot about but overall obviously there's a discomfort there's 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 the boobs there's the engorgement there's the the milk letdown and everything like all of that obviously it's quite intense but I think that the secret is get all the information you can learn everything you can whilst you're waiting for the baby to arrive so that nothing gets you by surprise and so that you kind of do things to prevent any problems. So like with I, I knew I wanted to breastfeed and I've managed to breastfeed really well. Um, thankfully, I've not had any issues like I've had with Matthias. Uh, but like I know what can come with breastfeeding. You can have obviously cracked nipples, you know, you can get mastitis and all of those things. So you need to know what to do to prevent those things. So uh, and that's what I've been doing. And so far, so good. You know, I... Thankfully, and fingers crossed, I won't get any problems with my breasts. So, yeah, I mean, I don't want to jinx it, but postpartum has been quite good so far. Um, And hopefully from now on, it'll just get better because things are just healing really slowly. And just, you know, I'm just getting on with it. I feel like I'm back to my normal self um, overall. And I'm doing 
general things that I've always done and I feel okay. The first week, obviously, I would just feel tired with anything, even breathing. <laughs> but now I feel uh, all right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm now we're now getting into a bit of a routine. Um, obviously, Matilda doesn't have a routine at all. We just go with the flow. But we've kept Matthias's routine and we kind of work around his routine with Matilda. And we've mastered bedtime and bath time. So that's a winner. Um, we have a bit of a, like a method. He does Matthias, I do Matilda. You know, everything is kind of under control. I just don't know how is it going to go when he goes to work. <laughs> because... I don't know, am I going to cope with two kids? And how do I bath two kids? You know, like, what's, I mean, the logic behind it and how am I going to do it? I have no clue. But I'm going to cross that bridge when it comes, which hopefully won't be anytime soon. He's still staying home with me for another week or so. So, I mean, it'll give Matilda a bit more time to, you know, get into maybe a routine and for me to know what to expect from her and to be able to plan things a bit better. So yeah, like overall, that's been birth and postpartum. And it's been like a lovely experience because obviously I had Matthias during lockdown and postpartum and even the maternity leave as a whole is a bit of a blur because it was all mostly in lockdown. Whereas now with Matilda, I've been able to leave the house. I've had people visiting, which is lovely. Uh, people bringing gifts and flowers and friends coming around. And that's been really, really nice, which is something I missed completely with my son so I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to be able to enjoy um, people around coming around um, to see baby Matilda and you know I think the most important thing as well is for people to be respectful and not stay for ages and everyone has been respectful like that they stay for an hour or two and that's it and that gives us time to speak to people but also then time for ourselves and to rest as well so that's been lovely um, but um, Someone else asked me as well, and I think I'm going to finish with this one. Um, someone else asked me, how do you cope as a couple that, um, you know, has moved abroad, has no family and just has to juggle life with two kids on their own? And uh, again, like I said before, Miguel and I, my husband and I are just a great team and communication is key. So I even before having the baby, I've said to him, for example, um, you know, I really want you to just uh, have the initiative to take Matisse for a walk or to the park so I can enjoy some time on my own with the baby or even the baby will be sleeping and I will just rest. And he's been doing that once in a while. So that gives me time for myself and even time for me and Matilda as a newborn that I want to enjoy that time together as much as possible. But also we kind of get each other and we know what each other needs. He knows what I need. Uh, he knows uh, what to expect from me, obviously, at this time, which is not much. He doesn't want me to do much, um, even though I can't stay still. So, I mean, I think considering we don't have family around, we are coping really well. But it's because, as a couple, we, we know what to do for each other. And he knows, for example, that he can't just leave everything to me, which he never did even before I had Matilda and even before I was pregnant, we always shared tasks and everything. But now more than ever, he knows what I need and he knows how to take care of me. But at the same time, I think I also know how to give him a break, especially now, like that we're two weeks in postpartum and everything. So I can do more bits. So 
I, I allow him a break as well because things can be quite intense for him as well, taking care of everything. Um, obviously, it's it's his job as a dad, isn't it? I, I saw a video the other day that uh, people say that dads help. Dads don't help. Dads do just the same as moms do. And I agree with that. Like, obviously, I say he helps. Um, but what he, he does, it's part of his role as a dad. Um, I think it's just like people just say that they help because back in the day, men probably used to do nothing and now they do. But no, men and my husband just does what he's supposed to do within his role as a dad. So he's been taking over a lot uh, with Matthias, but he already did at the end of the pregnancy because, you know, I couldn't do it. Matthias is heavy. Matthias is not gentle. He was kicking and everything when he was having baths. On a, when we were dressing him, he did a lot of kicking with his feet and all that. So, you know, M Miguel, my husband, has been taking over Matthias's bits quite a lot at the end of the pregnancy. And obviously now he's doing the same. And I take over Matilda and then the housework we kind of just split we one cooks the other one cleans he does a lot of the hoovering I do beds and whatever but at the end of the day if you like us don't have any support and any family support I think the important thing really is teamwork a lot of communication so you guys know what you you want from one another and what you need to be chilled and stress-free especially like the mum um which is what um, we've discussed when I was close to half the baby and just really like be patient and kind to one another at the end of the day we only have each other and we know that so we take each day as it comes we just do things uh like really slowly really like I said with no rush at all because we have all the time in the world for our kids we're not working we're at home with them so we just take day by day and if we're too tired, we'll just sit on the sofa and make sure the kids survive and we ignore the housework, basically. And that's literally how we're coping. But is it easy? Definitely not. I'm already drained and tired. It's only been two weeks and I'm way, I'm very looking forward to going uh, to Madeira on holiday to have a bit of help and to be child-free. When I mean child-free, it's not like leave them. But I mean, just not having one child in my arms because I always have one or the other, if not both, around me. Because even when I'm breastfeeding Matilda, Matthias is close to me. He wants his mummy. Obviously, he misses me and everything. So it's hard work. But again, with teamwork, everything is can be done. And if you're pregnant now um, and you don't have support apart from you and your husband, maybe it's a good thing to chat and decide how are you going to cope? How are you going to manage? How things are going to go? Don't expect to sort everything out once baby arrives because you'll be too tired to sort it out. And probably what will happen is that one of you will explode. And um, that's not what you want. So I think people should just chat, talk about what they expect, what they want, what do you need? Like, for example, if you're a woman, what do you need as a woman uh, and as a mum to have that bit of time for yourself so you can reset and get ready for another few hours of mom duty because I think that's important. We need to know that we need to reset. We need to restart. And and I've shared this on my Instagram. For me, it's about an evening shower, evening self care, skincare routine, blah blah blah. Uh, for others, might be something else. Might be going for a walk on their own. You know, you can do. You can totally do that. Uh, so you need to kind of establish the things you need. Uh, to reset and to kind of recharge because sleep 
there's not much sleep. So like sleeping a whole night with no no interruption is not a recharge, restart option. So you kind of need something else, like an easy fix. And that is how you keep your sanity and you keep things working and you go and stay strong as a couple and as a mum and as a dad and as a family. So I think that's essential and I think that's that's what we did, even if it was unconsciously, that is what we did. Um, and, and, you know, it's going pretty well. I'm, I'm really happy and proud of us for what we've done so far. Uh, Matilda is going, is growing, she's gaining weight, she's looking healthy. Matthias is all happy. You know, we got rid of his uh, nappy before she was born and we now got rid of his dummy. So he's a big boy. You know, things are going really well and we just keep going and going. You know, when you're a mum and a dad, just don't stop. And it just reminds me of my mum. My mum was always like this. She kept saying, like, we only stop when we go to sleep and it's literally that like you keep you wake up and you know that you keep going until 8 39 p.m and you just have to find those little times during the day to reset even if it's just to take a breather even if it's just to actually sit in the toilet in peace you know there's lots of little things what you can do and that you can do to reset recharge and go strong again and and fulfill your role as a mother and as a wife uh, the best you can I think. Um, and I think that's it, you know. Um, I don't want to ramble too much. It's already like 30 minutes in, um, way longer than I've expected. And I have already heard Matilda crying downstairs, so I think it's time for me to go. <laughs> um, so my husband doesn't panic with two kids screaming uh, next to him because it can be, you know, the hardest thing as well is that sometimes. Matilda cries and then Matthias has a tantrum. So you don't know how to manage that situation because you don't know to which one to go to. Um, but anyway, that's another that's another subject for another episode. But yeah, this is my whatever I spoke about on this. I talked about on this podcast. I think it was, yeah, birth story, postpartum, managing life with two and how Matthias has been adapting. So, so far... We're doing well, but we are very looking forward for a holiday in Madeira where we have family around that can, you know, look after the kids for an hour and we can just sit and scroll on our phones pointlessly doing nothing or even have a poo in peace uh, without being in a rush. Because most of the times we have a poo in the rush because, you know, kids are calling. Um, <laughs> it's 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 mum life and dad life and, and, and it is what it is. But at the same, if you don't have kids, you know, it, I think a lot of people are scared to have kids because, you know, you will lose a lot of that time you have for yourself. But you gain so many other things and there's so much joy um, with it being, when, when you're a mum and a dad, I think. Obviously, if it's something you want, there is so much joy behind it. Um, it it's so beautiful, but at the same time, so exhausting. But it's just the most amazing thing ever. And I've loved every bit of it. And I've loved every bit of my postpartum journey. I've embraced everything. I've embraced my floppy belly. I've embraced the postpartum bleeding. I've embraced the postpartum granny knickers, maternity bras and breast pads. You know, it's a reality that we all live. And yes, a lot of women struggle a lot during postpartum. But then a lot of other women manage really well because they've read and they've informed themselves themselves and they've prevented things and 
you know, again, you have to prepare yourself for the postpartum journey so you don't go downhill mentally and physically uh, and that you continue to have an overall positive experience and you continue to be the best mom you can and the best wife you can. So it's all about preparing yourself for the journey and just living day by day and at the end of the day you just hope for the best and if the kids survived and you've survived then well done to you you know there's no perfect mom there's no perfect dad there's no perfect routine there's no perfect nothing uh, whatever people share online it's all bollocks <laughs> and things people struggle things aren't perfect but things can be beautiful at the same time and 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 enjoyable as well so yeah I will leave you with that. I hope all of it made sense and I hope that you've enjoyed the chat. And yeah, I'm going to love you and leave you. Again, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, please do by pressing the button, whatever you are listening it to. And if you can leave a review, I would really, really appreciate it. And if you've just found my podcast, I should have introduced myself in the beginning. My name is Lisa, I'm 30 years old. I am now a mom of two, little Matthias, who's two years old, and Matilda, that is two weeks old, almost three. And we are two Portuguese um, people that have moved to the UK and are just uh, living life together here um, and trying to survive, basically. That's us. Um, and if you uh, don't follow me on Instagram, you can go and follow me at the Mummy Saurus. And yeah, that is it. That is everything. I hope you. I hope you've enjoyed, and I will hopefully speak to you next week if all goes well and I find time to record another episode. That's it. I hope you enjoyed it. Bye bye.